the last uh, couple services, Wednesday night and last Sunday, I talked very intently about the purpose of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to build off those last two services, and I would really encourage you to go back and listen to them if you haven't. We talked a lot about really the Holy Spirit's role and why it's so important that we have the fire on the inside. We need the fire on the inside to deal with hurts and pains and dysfunctions and bad root systems in your life. Jacked up parents, childhoods, bad decisions, hurts, pains, cheating, lying, broken relationships, bad decisions. All those things can create root systems in our heart. And so it's the Holy Spirit that works on the inside to cut those roots. It's the fire on the inside. The fire on the inside is a lot more than just an expressive, goosebumpy, hair standing on end, miracle-working power. It's about a transformation. God knows we need more, and God knows we need help more than we can get from anything in this world. You can't do it without the Holy Spirit. I could not do it. It's a further process of sanctification. The Holy Spirit comforts you, reminds you, convicts you of sin, and shows you what real life looks like versus behavior modification. Something I talked about last Sunday. But from there, something else happens. There's more. That's not the only thing, though that's probably the most important thing. If you don't have authentic fire on the inside, you're not going to have a passion to live right. You're going to go through behavior modification, and you're going to see this as just church and religion, and there's going to be no power. Maybe I'm the only one that's tired of godliness without power. Maybe I'm the only one of seeing religion that can't transform. Maybe I'm the only one that is tired of seeing this racial divide with no real answers more than just protests and a revolution. We don't need another revolution. We need a move of the power of God all over the world in the body of Christ to unite. The world's always been in crisis. What's happened with George Floyd's been going on my whole life. We're just getting a better picture of it because of the media. But God's got an answer. Tag, you're it. We're it. His answer on earth to crisis has always been his people. But what is not going to change the world is nice preaching. What's not going to change the world is a bunch of Sunday Christians. What's not going to change the world is people that can quote the Bible but have no power behind it. What's not going to change the world is people that profess to be one thing but live differently when the doors are closed. Can't say it any better than that. There has to be a fire that produces something. If you have an encounter with God, there's always an and then what? Worship was amazing today. And then what? You came to church today. And then what? There has to be something that's tangible that happens in our life that distinguishes us from the world. We have to get the world out of us. And never let it back in. But the only way that's going to happen is not through better thinking, better behavior modification books. There has to be a transformation and a fire on the inside. Mm -hmm. You can't do it without the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So God would know that you would need more because godliness without power makes you a thief. And people are being robbed because of Forms of godliness with no power. And people are following ministers that have, they look good, they sound good, they preach good, and they inspire you for a moment. 
podcasts, YouTubes, services. But I'd rather have a lifetime of transformation and revelation than a moment of inspiration. I don't need more moments of inspiration. I need something that changes me on the inside. That's lasting. That never leaves. Because I've tasted a lot of things that have left. That's why I went, ran to drugs and alcohol and Grateful Dead concerts and the world and parties and clubs and all these things to fill something that kept going away. And in the moment, I really enjoyed it. But when it was gone, I was left empty. So I needed something that would last and would never leave. And that's the purpose of the Holy Spirit, is to not just make you godly, but give you power. Right? So we see in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, there are people in this world and even in the church that look good, sound good, and may even seem to act right, but they have no power. They have a form of godliness. What does that mean? It means they look like they're religiously pious and followers of Christ, and they know how to say all the right things, but where's the real fruit? Where's the real power to transform a life? Where's the rivers of living water that are coming out of them that are Holy Spirit-led, where they're prophetic and people are shifted because of what's coming out of you? I can smell forms of godliness a mile away, and lots of people come here with forms of godliness and they get converted. They'll either get converted or they'll leave, but you stayed. Thank God you stayed. Because there's a lot of undoing. I was taught a lot of lies in my early Christian days, mostly in the context of performance, mostly in the context of earning, rewards, measuring up. If I'm good, and do the right thing, God will be pleased with me and accept me and bless me. But if I'm bad or I don't do the right thing, God will be mad at me and I've let him down and now I live in a bed of shame. Oh, don't think y'all haven't fallen prey to that because it's so subtle. It's performance driven. And so we break that, but we can only break it by the power of the Holy Spirit, not good preaching. You don't need more good preaching. You need a touch from God. Say, I need a touch from God. God. Ta-da! You need an experience. You need, say, I need an experience. You need an experience, bro. When you get touched by God, no one can deny it. And you've already seen God move in your life many a time that you can attest it was him. He's protected you, man, because he loves you. He's not angry. He's not mad. He's not telling you make your bed and you made your bed now lie in it. He's for you, not against you. But if you don't get a right perception of who God is, it's very hard to receive that touch because you think he's mad at you. God hates sin. Let's just make sure you understand. But it's sin that sells us into slavery. We sell ourselves into slavery. But God buys us out. I don't understand it because in my natural mind, I'd leave people in it so that they can learn their lesson. But God rescues us every time, doesn't he, Leighton? Every time. If there's anybody that knows it, it's this guy. He's tested every boundary with the Lord's love, and he, the Lord keeps loving. <laughs> Am I right? Thank you. 
we're family. I can talk like that to him. He knows I love him. And so a form of godliness without power will kill you. That's why God says run. But what does real power look like? What does is, what is false forms of godliness look like too? You know, a false form of godliness looks like people that are always hearing, always learning, but never coming to the knowledge of who God really is. That's verse 7. They're always learning, but they don't really know. So if they're always learning, what is that? I'm just going to tell you how it spells out for me. I don't have all the answers. But lots of podcasts, YouTube videos, church services, and even reading your Bible, but you still don't really know him. And there's no power. Now, I'm going to talk to you about what real power is today. Miracles. There has to be something more, but there also has to be that. Okay? These people, just so that you know... This, this chapter gives an extremely good definition of what these people do. So it's not a mystery for you. You can go read it for yourself. But the one thing I'll tell you about this is this chapter starts out with the Apostle Paul telling his spiritual son Timothy, in the last days, today, there will be extremely perilous times. Okay? Racial divides, pandemics, the world is on fire. The headlines read today, the nation's on fire. I'm giving you a new headline. The kingdom is on fire. And it's not combusting. It's burning with passion and real transformative power to heal the racial divide. And we're going to talk about that today. And so these people are lovers of themselves, greedy. They are deceivers. They will... They have false motives, but they look godly. But the core root of it is they love themselves. It's about them and not about him. And whenever you put yourself first, you're never going to have power. We put ourselves first in our work. We put ourselves first in the pursuit of money. It doesn't mean you shouldn't work or earn money because I don't want you to be slothful. You need to have a J-O-B. But what it does mean is most men, because they don't have a passion for the Lord, put their passion in their work. And now my prime focus in life is subtly loving myself or the money that I make. Even with the noble intent. Extremely subtle. See, God gives you your job and your money and your career as a tent-making business or work so that you can fuel the greater purposes like the song we sang today to cultivate God's garden. It's a return back to the garden. We plant, we reap, we sow, we take care. Today, when I see all of you, I see a garden. I see all different kinds of trees and fruits and flowers. And as I saw the young, young adults and teenagers worshiping, I think, man, what a garden God has given me and us. When I see my children, I think garden, I think cultivating, I think fertilizer, love, nourishment, and even discipline in a loving, caring way. Because all discipline has to be rooted in love. All discipline has to come from a place of love. And so we have to understand that God doesn't want you to be pretentious. He wants you to be authentic. 
But authentic comes from power. Power to transform, power to grow, power to make something happen, not just look good and sound good and act good. Okay? And so, these people resist the truth because they love pleasure more than God. Let me give you an even the most subtle religious form of deceptive, godly people that love pleasure more than God. This is going to rock you. If it's all about signs and wonders and miracles and manifestations and the power and the outpouring, because I love it so much because that's my greatest pleasure and delight, then I miss the main thing and I'm actually denying the real power, which is to make us one. And I may even say it's in the name of one. But what do I care more about on Pentecost Sunday? An outpouring or one accord? Because the outpouring only came when the people got in one accord. Because I sit here and cry out, God, God, and I love that. And I want people to cry out for more. But what good is it if I cry out for more of him, but I don't want to be more in love with you? And so my pleasure, my fascinations in busting up demons and praying in tongues and signs and wonders and miracles, I love all those things, and I, we do them, and I want them. But that's not my number one. My number one is God make me to be. I don't want to see more. I want to be more. Because if I become more, I get to see more. Let's say that together. If I become more, I get to see more. So you can't sit there and say, God, where's all the signs and wonders, miracles, supernatural, race from the dead, eyes open, ears open, like they have in another nation, but we're not willing to pay the price for ourselves to be holy and upright before a living God. Because God pours his fire out upon a living sacrifice that has presented their bodies as a living sacrifice. Now there's process there, and God loves you right where you're at, and God doesn't ever give up on you, ever. So he's not going to pass you by, but instead he's going to come by and he's going to go, that thing, you know that thing. You know that thing I'm talking about? we got to deal with that. That's why last week my prayer was, God, if there's money changing tables in me, flip them. Because I want to become a house of prayer for all nations. That's the answer to the racial divide. Because that makes us one. And now I see the way he sees and now I'm healed of lies and dysfunction. And now I don't have an alternate reality that's my own. I have a real reality that's his. Because real reality is not what I perceive, but what he says. This is real reality. It's not religious. It's not pretentious. It's not a Sunday morning. There is a real reality from the heartbeat of God that has an answer for everything. God's not sidetracked. God's not caught off guard. And yeah, the world is imploding. But the world's been imploding for a long, 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 long time. We're just seeing the manifestation of what real crisis looks like. More and more and more. But as the world goes more in crisis, the light of God's people shines even brighter. So the world's on fire, but the kingdom's on fire. But this fire's not divisive, it's unifying. But you need a fire on the inside. You need an encounter. You can't just have a form of godliness and, and come to church to pretend. Your prayer should be, God, wreck me, rock me, flip me, twist me. I don't care what it takes. Shake me, undo me. Lord, I want all, and I don't care what anybody thinks or what it says or what it looks like. If I hit the ground and I start sucking carpet and weeping and crying and snotting everywhere, I'll snot everywhere. If a demon's got to come out, cast it out because I don't want it anymore. If I need to pray in tongues like a crazy person, I don't care because my image is not 
my own anymore. So when you get filled with the fire on the inside, you become a witness. This is Acts 1.8. You know what the word witness? To be greater witnesses, you'll become a witness. Acts 1.8. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll become a dead man. I just paraphrase it for you. The word witness is the word martyr. Look it up in the Greek. It literally means I now have no concern with how I look, sound, act, or appear to you. And you can call me weird. You can call it a cult. You can call it crazy. You can call it that church and say it's abnormal. I will go toe-to-toe with anybody biblically with doctrine. You want to box God in with intellect, and God says, I want to wreck your intellect, and I want to rock you so that it's even unexplainable. Say this with me. Say, a man with an experience is never subject to a man with an explanation. I'm not subject to somebody trying to explain away my experience. You can't explain away my experience. You know, I'm living for myself, chasing the dead, selling LSD, eating mushrooms, smoking pot, selling pot, sleeping with hippie chicks, chasing the Grateful Dead all around the country. I swore I'd smoke pot all the days of my life. I get busted going to a Grateful Dead concert with LSD. I get convicted for a year in prison. I go into prison cussing, smoking, drinking the same way that I was. Because what you need to understand is if a murderer gets convicted and he goes into prison without Jesus, he's still a murderer. He's just in prison. And he can kill somebody there. The only way you really change somebody is with a spiritual transformation. And if you want to fix the racial divide, you better get flamed on spiritually and get unified no matter what somebody's color, ethnicity is, every nation, tribe, and tongue. It starts with us. It starts with you. It starts with a tribe. It starts with an army. God's got an army all over the world. We are the answer on earth to the world in crisis. The key is to make sure the world is not in you and that you're not in crisis. Let's get you out of crisis. Let's just lift our hands up to the Lord right now and say, Lord, get me out of crisis. The key is for us to stop doing the things that we once did, but we can't do it without the fire on the inside. So God gives us an answer to solve the polarization of the nation by having a unified kingdom. That's why judgment starts with you. Judgment starts in the house of God. Please, God, bring your judgment. See, if you see God as angry and mad and out to get you and kill you, you're not going to pray that prayer. That is a dangerous prayer to pray. Mark my words. But when you see God as loving and caring and you desire him and you want more, you're saying, God, here I am. See, all I am is a spiritual sin removal surgeon. And if you really love God, you got to find people that love him and love you that you can say, hey, check me, inspect me, you respect me, then correct me. We have to be willing to have measurement and correction in our life. See, instead of a scalpel, I've got the sword of the spirit. And the sword of the spirit is the ultimate axe to cut and root out things in our lives. But if you've been hurt, jaded, in abnormal relationships, abnormal church, people people beat you up when you were down and you didn't have real love in your life, or you were full of shame and somebody tried to come to help you, you won't receive it. But the Bible makes it explicitly clear that we know people by their fruit, Luke 6, 44. You know a tree by its fruit which means you got to inspect it. Did you ever, when you were a kid, go walk through the woods and see little berries on a tree, but you had no idea what it was? 
but you were smart enough to know I better not eat that because it could be poisonous. Too many of us have eaten a poisonous fruit. We didn't know where it came from. That's why you got to be fruit inspectors. What is it? Where did it come from? Is it good for me or is it bad for me? And every, you know every tree by its fruit, which means we have to have fruit inspectors, which means we have to be inspected, which means we have to have people in our lives that can look at us and say, that thing is going to kill you, but I love you. But that thing, you know that thing, it's got to go. And we do it with love and we bring correction and we check the hearts of people to make sure that they haven't set up their own lordship for themselves. Because in Luke 6.44, it says a tree, a good tree can't bear bad fruit. You can't get figs from a thorn bush or grapes from a bramble bush. A bramble bush is about a, a six foot high shrubby tree with huge thorns. You know what those thorns were used for? To make a crown. And the Romans would literally twist a crown of thorns and anybody that set up themselves to exalt themselves over the Roman government, the Romans would put a, around their neck as a garland a crown of thorns. And it would be a mockery that this person thinks they're more powerful than what they are. Which means they've set up self-lordship. So what's coming out of your heart? Thorns that pricks people? Or fruit that produces life. So Jesus would take the crown of thorns on his head to crucify your intellect. Because you can't explain this away. A man with an experience is never subject to a man with an explanation. I'll give you good word. I'll give you good doctrine. I'll even inspire you and fire you up. But if it doesn't change you when you walk out these doors and shift your thinking and cause you to love your wife, your children, your family, and reproduce with power, we've just had good preaching. And I wasted my time. It's not about money and growing churches. It's not even more about the power. It's about family, unity, oneness. And then God says, here comes my power. That's how that works. So I got to shift, shift our thinking to oneness and unity and no shame. And inspect me, correct me. If you respect me, correct me. I've taught that before. So you know when somebody doesn't have the power by inspecting their fruit. What's coming out of your life? Are you reproducing or are you living a nice suburbia Starbucks lifestyle? Don't live a suburbia coffee waves lifestyle either, but I appreciate that. You know, I put a secret ingredient in the coffee to make you fired up to go witness. I hope that you know that. So there's, there's also a denial of power. Let me talk to you really quickly about a denial of power. A denial of power is not just, I don't believe in it. That would be too easy for a godly man. Right? I'm trying, I want you to see me as godly. So if I just said that there's no move of the Holy Spirit and no power and that stuff's not real, that would be just too easy. Instead, how would I deny the power? By how I live my life. By what comes out of me. By reproductive power. I'm not just this way here. 
I'm not a different guy here than at the coffee shop or with my family. I don't, I'm not changing. I don't, it, it, I don't inflect my voice to a preacher's voice. You know, I don't march around and get loud un- unless the Lord's really coming on me, right. like in a, in a different kind of way. Denial of power can come from your mouth because there are people that are cessationists, but the most deceptive way is where's the fruit? Show me your life. When we think about power, what I don't want you to do is just think miraculous. I do want you to think miraculous, but not just that. Think this when you think power. Moral power for excellence in my soul. It's power to to morally reflect Christ, and now a river of life is coming out of me. So how I talk, how I act, how I treat my kids, how I treat my wife, how I live my life has excellence. It took a long time, by the way. And because God had so much grace for me, I have so much grace for you, your whole life. Your whole life. You'll get there if you don't give up. I promise you. God is God. I'm not. His word is true. It has power. The entrance of God's word gives light. All you got to do is say, enter in me, Lord, and you're going to get some light. But when it shines on the darkness, you better say, I don't want that. That's called obedience. You can't go, God, enter in me. I want all of you, but I want to protect my pet demon of sin. (laughs) Don't shine there, Lord. Doesn't work like that. If you're sick... And you got something in you, let's use cancer, for example, and you go for surgery, and they're going to cut that spot out. Do you want them to leave any there? When they pull the light down, and you go under the knife, and they shine it, is there a, do you want to leave just a little? That's the way sin is. It's leaven. And it, even a little leaven worked into a, a, some dough leavens the whole thing. You can't just have a little. It leavens it all. Okay. The next is power and influence. You get influence. That's why Jesus said wisdom's justified by her children. So I don't I I'll use this analogy. I'd rather Jesus share my post than I share my post. Yeah. Now I share because we're family and there's things I like to talk about and stuff, but I'm not doing it to gross a church. I'm doing it to transform a people. Okay? So it's power and influence. A good example of influence is a really wealthy millionaire. Okay, now they could be jacked up, but don't think, I'm not talking about that. The truth is, is somebody that has millions of dollars has the ability to do a lot of things. Okay? When you receive the power of the Holy Spirit, you now have incredible influence with everything that you do. You understand? So you may not have a lot of money, but your dad does. And everything he possesses is inside of you. But I'm a thief if I only have a form of godliness and I deny it to change me and change you. I become a robber. And some of you have followed pulpit robbers. And now you're mad at God, mad at the church. And there's tons of people not in the church because they got robbed. You got a robbery. You got a Holy Ghost robbery. Just admit it. It's all right. Don't be angry about it. Say, I got robbed. That's right. You definitely got robbed. You were a mess when you came. 
Should I talk about your mess? Because you were bad. But Fabian, he was the worst. Let me just tell you, he was the worst. You know, there's in power. Whoa. Chase. I know. When you run your own executive pastor out of the church, we got a problem. Let me just tell you. So there's power and influence. Or numbers, I should say. So God would know. 72 and 500 or 120 in the upper room that would reproduce all over the world because now God's got believers all over the world. So, so power brings multiplication for a purpose. It's power for a purpose, not just for you. It's power to transform you, but to transform others. And there's power in numbers, okay? As this church has grown and as we've gotten a shopping center, you wouldn't believe the people that call me. Politicians are calling left and right. They still want votes, but let me tell you what they're going to get. They're going to get Jesus, and I'm not mincing my words. And I do it with love, and I build relationship, and I don't just cram it down their throat, but they see authenticity, wisdom justified by our children. Now, imagine when one church of five, 600 people partners together with 10 others or churches with thousands, and then suddenly we become a unified front. You want to stop racism? Let's start there. I can't emphasize to you enough how important the power in numbers is. But it starts with one. You. It all starts with one. Just like it started with Jesus. There's power and strength. Think military might. So God's building an army. It would take the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. So in the Valley of Dry Bones, God would tell Ezekiel, prophesy to the Spirit and say, breath come in you. Prophesy to the four corners of the wind, the wind from all four corners of the earth. The all-encompassing, omnipresent power of God, Spirit of God, to come in and take dead, dry bones and make them into what? A good group of churchgoers? Nice suburbia Christians? An army. He would want to make you into an army. And that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. And then, think God's creative power in the universe. I am fascinated by God's creation. Like the stars, the sea, the ocean, palm trees, the rainforest, mountains. It doesn't matter where I go. I am fascinated by things that God makes. It blows my mind. So much of it, I just think, what were you thinking when you made that? And it's not always a good thing. I still wonder, like, Lord, why a mosquito? I hate them. And if they get on me, they're going to die. I'm going to kill what you made, God. And smile about it. Then think that that power that created the universe resides in you. And now think power for miracles. Now think power to create produce and do something that's so out of your mind that's so unexplainable that's so out of your intellect to transform people's lives think supernatural think outside of your your natural reality that's the power that you get power reveals itself in many different forms but so does denial 
The key to not deny is to not try to just be a good Christian, but to be a spirit-filled, spirit-led Christian. God doesn't want you to be good. He wants you to be spiritual. And when you get the spirit, he makes you good. Understand? You can literally be an unbelieving Christian and not even realize it. But not if you hang around here. Or read your Bible consistently and be open. You need rhema more than principle. We got people with lots of principles, but no rhema. No voice of God. No breath in their life. We need godliness and power. You know who the ultimate example of godliness with power was? Do you know? It was Jesus. So check this out. Jesus was godly and had power. So Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Philippians 2, 5. Let this mind think the way Jesus thought. Okay, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Why? It's not robbery when you're a son that's godly and has power. The word equal is not I am God, though Jesus was, the word, but he was in the form of a man also. The word form, liter, or uh, robbery, literally means to, I'm sorry, equal literally means that I have all the benefits that he has. Think about the prodigal son. The prodigal son was still a son, but he was eating from a pig trough. Was he still equal with his dad? No. You know why? The inheritance had ended. It was only when he had no more money to spend <laughs> that he came back. And what did the father do? Ring. Accept, the God, God always accepts you back. But if you are living in sin and debauchery for self with a form of godliness but no power, guess what? You're a thief. Just self-deprecate. I love you. God has a way of making you. God has a way of getting you out of being a thief. For me, it was jail. My prayer is that you just fall on the rock now so that the rock doesn't fall on you. That's my prayer for you. Okay? This, it's the root of what I'm saying to you is the fear of God. Okay? It's like, I'm going to fall on Jesus because I don't really want the rock to fall on me and I'd be crushed. It's the fear of God. And so you have to understand that when you are a son with godliness and power, it's not robbery to have all, enjoying all the benefits that the Father gives. I've taught this many, many, many times. This is a powerful, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. But how did Jesus get the more? If you want to be like Jesus, we have to do what Jesus did. So what did he do? He became in the form of a man. We'll just read it through. He came in the form of a man, in the likeness of men, and he became a bondservant. You know what a bondservant is? It's a slave. A slave to what? To serve you. Now, my family comes first, but God's family is like a really, really close right behind it. Because I have a new family. You've really become my family, honestly. I don't have a biological blood father. 
I do, but we don't have a relationship, and my mom has passed away. I have some Greek relatives, and I love them dearly, and they are family by blood. But God brings us into a new spiritual family, right? But I'm still going to do special things for my kids that I'm not going to do for your kids. I'm not coming to your house to put your kids to bed tonight. (laughs) And I'm not going to rub their back. That would be weird, (laughs) right? But I, and I'm not going to sacrifice my kids on the altar of ministry because a qualification for somebody in ministry is that their children, that their house is in order. So get their house in order and God does more. Get this house in order and we'll have Pentecost experiences nonstop, which we already have. I mean, we've had crazy blowouts in this house. Crazy. And a lot more is about to come. Mark my words. A lot more is about to come. So Jesus wasn't a thief. And Jesus was exalted because he became a bondservant. Which means the only way you can really become a bondservant is I have so much love for you. And I see you God's way and I'm willing to lay my life down for you. That's what Jesus did. He took on the form of bondservant, came in the likeness of man. And he, he appeared as a man. Have you ever seen these preachers that appear to be something big and glorious and great and miraculous, and they're not? I would rather you see me as a mere man, but behind me and in the spirit is supernatural power. It's like, it's like having a spiritual license to carry. You can't see it, and you don't know that I have it or I don't. And if I had to use it, I can but his power is even better than a Smith and Wesson. I'm just telling you. And it's okay to have both. I thought I'd throw that in there for you. He humbled himself and he became obedient to die. That's why you got to just die now. You know why I want you to die? Because I want you to be exalted. I don't want you to just go through religious motions of, I get it. Your flesh cries out. Sin's always crouching at your door. You, everybody was created for pleasure. But if you don't have that pleasure in him, then every other thing that you get is a false pleasure. God, that's why God designed marriage. Because you get to go home to your wife or your husband. That's in the right context. And you can deny your flesh when that person's even sick and you can't sleep together. And you don't have another outlet of pornography because you love your wife so much and you love Jesus so much and you're sold out to him and you want everything and your delight is in him, not in the things of this world. You can do it. It takes real power to die. That's what, it takes real power to die. Let me just tell you right now, to die to self. Making yourself of no reputation, that takes real power because there's everything in us cries out to be recognized and valued, doesn't it? We always want to look good, sound good, act good, and we, want pe- we love accolades and we love affirmations and we need them. It's okay to say you look beautiful today, you look- but if you're living for the accolades of man, you'll be a man pleaser and you'll always live a life of performance and you'll never be satisfied because you'll never get enough. And you'll always live for the attaboys. You need attaboys from Jesus. 
so that when you don't get it from me or somebody else, you know you're pleasing and accepted in his sight. Would you rather be pleasing and acceptable in my sight or his? Trust me, his. It takes power to not be pretentious and to be really humble. It takes power to be obedient to death. It takes power to take up your cross. One of the greatest shows of godliness is hidden in unity in how we love others. This is a beautiful picture of what real godliness looks like. It's unity. Okay? And how we love others. It's also what I believe positions us for God to pour out his spirit continuously upon us like Pentecost. So I love today. I love Pentecost. I'm probably more excited about Pentecost than even Easter. I mean, I love the crucifixion, the resurrection. I mean, I'm super fired up. But I really understand that this was what was needed to take my life to the next level and not just be hiding in upper room, but to take it to the nations and to reproduce and become more than I was supposed to become. This is that day, but that day never stopped. There's a lot of people that believe that are cessationist. And what that means is to secede or to stop or that the outpouring of the Spirit the way that it was at Pentecost is not for today. That it stopped when the, the apostles died. But that's not true. There's no biblical premise for that. God's still pouring out his spirit on Pentecost and every day. You need Pentecost every day. All the time. And so, God desires that we're unified, which leads me today. It was a day predetermined by God to fall on a pre-appointed feast that would foretell the first, the true first fruit offering of, from God to man and man to the nation. So this felt Pentecost was on the feast of first fruits. So God would give Himself as a first fruit, the Holy Spirit, on that day. That feast always spoke of Him. It wasn't by Pentecost. Everything in the Old Testament is a type and shadow. All the feasts are a type and shadow. So on the day of Pentecost, of first fruits, when people brought their best, God gave His best. And then he took those 120 disciples and made them a first fruit to the nations. Okay? We're here because of Pentecost, so that you know. Like, really, if there was no Pentecost, we wouldn't even be here. It was on this day that the disciples were obedient to the directive of Jesus, waiting, praying, agreeing, and with one purpose and one mind in an upper room. It was on this day that, in particular, they would need to be unified in love and the purpose of God in their minds and their intentions. Acts 1.14. I'll just show you these two scriptures real quick. They continued, this is on the day of Pentecost. They continue with accord and prayer and supplication with the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. But if you go back, they continued. They didn't give up. Number two, they prayed in one accord. You know what one accord means? It means like-minded with like purpose. And the same way. But everybody had the same intentions. Do you see that? If everybody's praying the same way, it'd be uniformity. But same intentions and purposes by the Holy Spirit. Do you and I want the same thing? What is it? I'm, I'm not going to answer it. And I'm just saying, like, you've got to know the vision. And you've got to have the direction by God to pray the way he prays. Supplication means I come in agreement with him. And then what happens when we're unified or in one accord and we pray what God's saying? The Holy Spirit comes. 
So Acts 2, chapter 1, chapter 2, verse come, what were they? One accord, one place. That's why we need to gather. That's why we need to pray together. That's why social distancing is everything opposite of the kingdom. That's why we need each other. God calls us to pray together, be together, love together, worship together. It's called community, common unity. It's us being like-minded together for a purpose, one accord. Now, how long, how long does it take to get a church of 600 people like-minded? I don't know, but we're going to try. How long does it take to get us in one accord? I don't know, but we'll keep praying and gathering. It's continuing and never giving up, so don't give up. All right? And know the vision. We talk about it a lot here. So the positioning, being in one accord with each other and in agreement with God, hence the outpouring. Positioning leads to outpouring. So Acts 2, 2 through 4. And suddenly, everybody say, and suddenly. You know what? The, the word suddenly means unexpectedly when I wasn't looking for it. So you know what that means? If I get unified with you, God will do the rest. I don't have to worry about when or how. God does what God does best. What I do need to do is get in one accord with you. Stop being divided. The world is divided. Should the church be divided? Do we get divided over the dumbest things? Yes. Stop. And stop being ungodly or having a form of godliness with no power. Just stop. Live upright. Lay your life down. Root the sin out of your life. Get to the cross. Get filled with the Spirit. Don't say no. Say, God, flip me, wreck me, undo me. I don't care what it looks like. I don't want to look the same anymore. Make me a martyr. Just kill me now. So that when everybody, anybody looks at me, they see a dead man. I'd like to see some dead men and women, a lot more of them in my life. I mean sold out, just like, just <clears throat> righteous lions that are bold instead of fearful kittens running when no one's even pursuing you know the line is in these times of uncertainty huh not in the kingdom so they were in one accord and suddenly you know, we need an end suddenly. What was hidden became revealed. You need an end suddenly to happen in your life. There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with, the other, with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. We need in suddenlies, and we need the Holy Spirit to do everything that it's supposed to do. A helper, a comforter, a, a divine encourager, a friend. We need the good gifts that God has to give, but we need effective power to be true witnesses, which is Acts 1.8. You will receive power to become a better witness to transform the nations of the world, right? And so we need that power inside of our lives. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just flip to this in conclusion. When the Holy Spirit came, there were divided tongues of fire that were put, that came upon them. The word divided doesn't mean that we were divided. 
It means God multiplied. Think cloven. The, uh, in fact, the King James uses the word cloven, a cloven tongues of fire. Uh, the best way I could describe it clove. And it's got a bunch of little garlic pods. Thank you. And you take it and you smash it on the ground or onto the kitchen counter and it divides. It multiplies. Think I'm gonna, we're going to split up to be more effective. He took the one and made it two. Multiplication for a purpose. Now, what was the purpose? Divided tongues of fire. That speaks directly to God reversing the curse of the Tower of Babel. In the Tower of Babel, Nimrod and all these people said, we're going to build, he was a real Nimrod, by the way, <laughs> we're going to build a tower to the heavens. Why? To make a name for ourselves so we would not be scattered all over the earth. Self-preservation. What about me? Self-preservation in the context of notoriety, recognition, I want to be like the other nations. So God says, if that's your intent, here's what I'll do. I'm going to divide your languages so you can't communicate and then disperse you all over the earth. On the day of Pentecost, God put a, a language of fire, a tongue of fire, which is the language of fire, inside people. So when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you get a language of fire that instead of confusion brings unification. When they started speaking, they spoke the wonderful works of God. And all the nations that were there in Jerusalem understood what they were saying. And do you know the first thing that they thought to themselves when they heard people speaking in other tongues? They were confused. R read the scriptures. But then they, were, then they were in awe. I mean, you're right, but I want you to catch it. Because I don't have time to teach it all. It says, when they heard people speaking from Galilee... Aren't these Galileans? And yet they're speaking our own language? How's this happening? At first they were confused. Because the world is in confusion. But when the Holy Spirit's present, and when the Holy Spirit brings a language of fire, what does it do? It unifies. What is the purpose of the language of fire? Not just to... That prayer language is designed to strengthen me. That's not a gift that's just for me. It's for everybody. It's your own personal prayer language. 1 Corinthians 14, 2 and 4. Don't even get me started on teaching that it's, it's not just a gift for some. You can have it. You need it. And I'm not doing a whole teaching on tongues and the purpose of it. I'm showing you about the purpose of the language, divided languages of fire. God would have to multiply his people to resolve the confusion of the world. So you want to know how you solve the division of nations, the division of cultures, the division of unbelievers, and the division of racism, you give everybody the same language. Woo! And when you get the language of love and the language of fire inside of you, now I see you, love you, speak to you the way God speaks, and it brings unification. So instead of confusion all over the world, like we're seeing right now, and it's a tragedy what happened with George Floyd. I hate it. But I want to reiterate, it's been already going on for a really long time. The media is just catching it now more than ever before. 
It was happening in my childhood. And it's demonic, and it's idiotic, and it's the ploy of the enemy. But God has an answer. And the answer is not fight more. The answer is love better and speak a language of fire to bust up these idiotic races that are... There's racists even in most churches today. There's racists against women. There are people that do not believe women should be preachers, period. That's racist to me. But God, when he puts a spirit inside of you, he, gives you, he makes you an answer. So God would fill them with, this, with the spirit, give them a new language, make them dead men walking, and then he would scatter them different than they were scattered at the Tower of Babel. When they left the Tower of Babel, they were confused. When they left the upper room, they were unified. Woo! So your prayer should be, scatter me, Lord. Yeah. I mean, we're going to be scattered, unified with him and with one another. That's why you can go to any nation right now, and you can find believers that are family, and you meet them for the first time as if you've known them all the time. God's got a family all over the world. And you know by the Spirit. So I don't have to wonder. I have to do some fruit inspection. That's why I don't just let people come and preach here. I'm going to inspect some fruit. And we don't just throw people up here because we want to inspect your fruit. It doesn't mean you have to be perfect. We just want you to be healthy so that when you speak, you're not toxic. And then we're going to send you. Where? The west side. The island. Port Aransas, Sinton, Bishop, Kingsville, Victoria. Let's just start there. All those places. Because it starts here and then it goes there. So let's say it. I start here and then I go there. All right. So we're going to pray for a fresh experience right now. Why don't you all stand? You know what I learned about outpourings? If I just stay in position, God always does what he does best. You know how many times I've gone to spend time with Jesus and he's, he's like, I'm going to meet you over there at that spot you go to. I'm like, God, meet me here. He's like, no, no, no. I want you to come there. And as soon as I get there, there he is. I can tell you so many times I've been in church in the back row and God says, go up to the front. And I'm like, God, meet me here. He goes, no, I'm going to meet you there. And as soon as I crossed the threshold of the first row of seats, I got hit with God's presence. God's looking for a response. He's looking for a desire. He's looking for a submitted people that say, I don't care what it looks like, and I really don't care what you think about me. You know what would be cool is if you were really jacked up in sin, and you were just like, I don't care what you think about me. Help me. I'm not going to be in shame. Ta-da! Because sin, hidden sin, leads to shame. But if you bring it to the light, you can get free. So let's get it to the light today. And let's ask God to touch us and fill us. So what we're going to do is, I'm going to pray for you. You all are, are welcome to come up to the front. I'm going to ask that you don't leave for just a few minutes and I'll dismiss you. But I didn't preach this to just send you home. I preached this so that you would say, God, I want that. And you'd, you would get unified together with us so you can have it. All right? So, you're welcome to come to the front. You're welcome to stand right at your seat. We're going to have a song of worship. 
but I'm going to pray first, all right? We're not going to lay hands on you. We're just going to position ourselves for all that God has. So here's what I want to ask you to do is lift your hands up to the Lord. Lift your hands up to the Lord. We call this a Holy Ghost stick up. The, the, the officer says, get your hands up. So the Lord's here. He says, get your hands up. Why? Because this is, this is like one thing that really breaks inhibition. <coughs> we dim the lights to help you guys not get distracted. So just pray this prayer together with me. I'm going to lead us through a spirit-led prayer. And we're going to let Jesus do what Jesus does best. And then those of you that have to go and get your kids are released. You can bring kids back in. And we're just going to take our time and linger in his presence and let God do what God does best. All right? Okay. Here I am, Lord. Come on, pray this with me. Here I am, Lord. Submitted. Surrendered. And in one accord with your body and my church family. I'm in agreement with all your promises, especially the promise of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I need more. I want more. Fill me. I need more of you. Furnish me. Cram me full with every good thing all your riches and glory cause me to overflow God and put in me to bring unity to set people free to tear down division and to bring unity Lord fill me I'm asking for the Holy Spirit and I know you're a good father and you made a promise that anybody that asks you would give it to us. So I ask for more, Lord. Wreck me, rock me, flip me upside down. Break out any man-pleasing thing in me. Turn over the money-changing tables and make me a house of prayer for all nations. Lord, you've called me and my family and your family to be the answer to a world in crisis. So I need power miracle working power to live right to love right to witness right to type right to post right to preach right to dream right to love right Lord I want to love like you love and I want to live like you lived with miracle working power in my life thank you God for your presence and power fill me again Lord like it was the first time. Do a suddenly in my life. I'm in position and I'm ready and I want it. Have mercy on me, Lord. Forgive me, God, for any sin in my life, for being self-driven self-righteous and if I've had a form of godliness with no power I want your power and I confess my sin I don't want to live it anymore I want all that you have for me I want all you have for me Lord come on cry out for it today 
I want all that you have for me, God. And I come into agreement with your word, with your spirit, with my brothers and sisters today. Now, just let it happen right now. Whatever it looks like, whatever it looks like, whatever God's doing in you, let him do it. I don't care if you shout.